Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you uh, for listening today to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. Uh, my name's Ryan, and I serve as the Connections Pastor at Journey. We we started just uh, last week a brand new teaching in the Book of Matthew, uh, chapter five. We're still in chapter five. A series called uh, Chasing Perfection. And as you kind of explained in the message, the series premise is to learn how much we must depend on Jesus to live like Jesus. This second message uh, is called Raise the Bar and Practice at Home. And uh, Pastor Christian, as we start, um, man, we, we're, we start at SCA this Sunday at 10 a.m. What's your What's your philosophy and perspective and even reality on multiple campuses and video teaching? Yeah, so for our friends who live out of town, SCA Summit Christian Academy is a school a few miles away. If you've never been to Kansas City or never been to Journey, um, we we have a congregation that's much larger than the building that we meet in. So we do three services on Sunday morning. We used to do a Sunday night. Um, and even that did not allow us to minister to all of our people. So a couple of years ago, we began meeting off campus um, and trying to do as many sermons as we as as many services as we could to hold to hold all of our people. Um, and at first, I tried to I mean preach as many of them live as I as I possibly could, and then just got to a point where that it wasn't possible. Just the time and space wasn't possible to do. And when COVID hit, we you know we backed everything off, obviously, and. For the past, I don't know, nine months, we've been meeting together. And now as our congregation has grown and more people have come back and new people have come to the church, it's it's time until our new building is built, uh, which is being constructed as we speak, to spread out a little bit, uh, which means we're going to have to use video teaching again. Um, Ryan, I, I, I grew up in a town that had less people than our church has on a Sunday morning. Um, when you, when you drove through my, my little town that began with one stoplight, eventually we got two, had a Dairy Queen, had a gas station, had a pizza place, um, had a barber shop. Like ev- everyone knew everyone. Like, like it was like Mayberry. Um, like you could, you could walk down the street and everyone knew everyone. That's how I'm most comfortable. That's how I enjoy life. That's, that's how, my past and history experience, that's, that's how I know that I'm home. When I know everyone and everyone knows me and everyone knows each other. So f- for me to now lead a church, you know, when you grow up in a town that has like a thousand people in the entire town, that's everyone who's like birth through 90. And then all of a sudden you, you pastor a church that has thousands of people it's it's just way way out of my comfort zone but when you when you look at what video teaching and video teaching services have allowed us to do maybe i should say it this way when i look at what video teaching services and digital ministry has allowed me to learn ryan the podcast that i listen to weekly i listened to a podcast this week of craig groeschel interviewing john maxwell that deeply impacted my leadership. I don't know them. They don't know me. I'll never know them. But through the lens of digital ministry, I was deeply impacted by their ministry. Churches across the country that I watch and listen to, and we could pull out of the ministry scope and we could say this week in Kansas City, there are going to be uh, probably 2 million people who are a part of the Chiefs Church 
digitally. Right. I mean, they're they are going to be all in on the Super Bowl. Nobody is saying if I can't go in person, I'm not watching. Yeah. Right. Like no, nobody's saying that. So we we absorb so much through a digital media lens. And we believe that our church is much more about the message than the messenger. And it's way more about the mission than the man. And if God can allow us to use digital technology without a person being in the room for a season, until we move into a new building that holds us all, we certainly want to do that. I, I have um, studied and followed and been deeply impacted by churches around the country and around the world that use digital technology that that are multi-site, where the vast majority of their churches are screens um, on a wall. That, again, my past—that's not my preference. That's not—that's not how I'd like to pastor if I if I don't have to. But I know that it's effective, and I'm excited that we're able to minister to all of our people, that they're able to be together, that they're able to worship live, and that they're able to hear the Word of God through through digital means from time to time and, until we until we move into our new building. And Ryan, I think probably the 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 recorded revelation that I'm most thankful for, I'm thankful you didn't have to be uh, within earshot of Jesus to hear what he said, but that it was recorded and and that it was played back through the scriptures over and over and over and over again. Anyone who has fallen in love with the person of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus has proven the effectiveness of digital ministry. You didn't have to be there. You didn't have to be in the room to be deeply impacted by the spirit and the truth that was coming. And I, I you know, I, th- I think that's my, th- that's my perspective on it. I'd rather not do it, but I'm excited that we get to do it. And, and I'm excited that we haven't had to turn hundreds of people away, but we, we have a place to have church. And I'm really excited for the volunteers because man, the setup and teardown teams, they bond so tightly. We have twice as many people who get to serve in kids ministry now, twice as many people who get to serve in our guest services ministry. We get to have two production teams rather than one, two bands rather than one. So, so many more people get to use their gifts when we do this. So, um, I'm, I'm excited, but more excited to be in a new building together in eight or nine months. Yeah, it will be great. Uh, I'm looking forward to having a great team over at Summit Christian uh, this Sunday. And you're right. I I think of how much I've learned through media, digital media. I I practically, uh, I bet I've listened to hundreds, if not thousands, of sermons on Christian radio stations, and only one of those guys have ever sat in his church. So uh, they taught me through listening to a a, a recording. Had a funny conversation with a guy a few years ago that when we first when we first went digital and started having to do uh, services that had video teaching, who who tried to help me understand theologically why he was why he was opposed to that, and and why you just couldn't you could not disciple people, educate people, impact people electronically. And he knew this because he just graduated from seminary at Liberty University, which is in Lynchburg, Virginia. But he had lived in Kansas City the whole time he was doing this. I said, how did you how did you get educated so well to know the Bible so deeply without ever being with your professor? Like, oh, I did it all online. I'm like, huh, well, maybe, maybe you were the one exception that you could learn and be impacted and grow and be discipled um, through a video. Um, Obviously, obviously he proved the point um, that digital technology and recorded technology Scripture 2,000 years ago, and now screens, if you have to for a season, and we do for a season, 
um, can, can impact people, disciple people, teach people, educate people. Yeah, and certainly we hope those listening to the podcast are benefiting from the fact we're sitting Clearly, here right now. Yeah, there's only four of us in the room. So, yeah. If, yeah, if you don't believe in digital technology, literally the only people listening today are Holland, Lindsay, me and you. And technically, we don't even need the microphones because they can hear us. Yeah, that's <laughs> they right. They can hear us from where they are. And there are thousands of podcasts yeah. that you can listen to. So, obviously, it's, it's a great uh, vehicle. Second question, you know, as you start the message, you read from Matthew chapter 5, 17 through 20. Jesus makes a statement that he didn't come to abolish the law and the prophets. For those maybe new to Christianity and maybe maybe some others, they're like, yeah, you know, I've never really understood that. What are the law and the prophets? It's a good question. So many names for the law and the prophets. So for a Christian who was raised in American Christianity or maybe someone who was raised around American Christianity, we would call that the Old Testament in our Bible, the first 39 books of the 66 books of the canonical Bible that, that we have right now. Um, our Jewish friends would call it the Tanakh. Uh, the Tanakh is basically the combination of the Torah, which is the law. That word means law. Um, the prophets, which are the prophets. And then the writings, what they would call... Some of their wisdom literature, they would call writings. Other people might distinguish it between the law, the prophets, um, poetry and writings. They add some of the Psalms and Proverbs in there. But basically, that was a way to summarize everything from Genesis to Malachi. Jesus was basically saying, you can't take the Old Testament in, in our American Christian vernacular. You can't take the Old Testament. You can't take Torah, you can't take the Pentateuch, you can't take the Tanakh. You can't take that and throw it away now because I'm here. I've not, I've not come to abolish that. I've come to fulfill it and really teach it at a, at a deeper level. And even if you only took Ryan, even if, even if you were, were real legalistic in the sense of the law and the prophets, the laws, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the prophets are obviously the prophets. You've got 12 minor prophets, just length of the books, not um, importance of the message. And then a few major prophets. You would look at just the law in, the pro- in just prophecy books from the prophets. And you would say, man, that's probably only 20, um, 20, 23 books of the Old Testament. But within the law and the prophets, even in the legalistic sense, um, all of the moral law and foundational what I found, what I would call foundational spiritual behavior in the Old Testament is found in those. So for people who would want to say, um, I want to throw away the moral code of Judaism, or I, you know, um, I, I don't believe in what the Old Testament says about sexual identity or sexual sin. Um, the law and the prophets were the Old Testament books that says, this is how God wants you to live your life and a rebuke and a promise of punishment. Um, as consequence for for not living your life according to according to that. So when people say, "Oh, you know, Jesus didn't teach all the Old Testament," by affirming here the law and the prophets, he basically said all the hard parts that you like to throw away. I have not come to abolish any of those. All of the moral uh, law of the Old Testament, all of the teaching and preaching of sin against sin, consequences for sin, judgment for sin, all of that is found in the first five books of the Bible and the prophetical books of the Bible. Jesus would have upheld all the morality, all of the condemnation of sin, all of the consequences of sin, all of wrath, eternal wrath against sin. 
just in this one statement that he's come to fulfill the law and the prophets. So in a broad sense, he's talking about Old Testament literature, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, um, the Pentateuch, the prophets. Um, he, he's just saying that what in our Bible, Genesis to Malachi, he's like, I didn't, I didn't come so you don't have to follow that. I came so you would understand how to follow that and understand how much you needed me to follow that. Good insight into that uh, piece of scripture there. You you spend some time and it's kind of connected, right? The Pharisees would be trying to follow everything to a T. You you spend some time talking about them and and their works based walk with God. You you bring to light the reality that they were actually prodigal sons, like the older brother in the Luke fifteen story. When did you realize you were the older brother? How how do, how do you discern when somebody might be the older brother? So for, so for me, very specifically, I mean, I think. The time that it became a theological reality in my life was after reading Prodigal God by Tim Keller. When I when I realized that while I had not been brought up um, with teaching that says you can earn and deserve God's favor and blessing, that somehow, somehow I had embraced that along the way. I just thought a righteous life kind of deserved and demanded, you know, all, all the all the great promises of God in Scripture. And I think as I read that book, I thought, man, there have been times when life was hard, while I was leaning in spiritually, that I questioned if God was holding up his end of the bargain. And and that that is older brother, prodigal son type thinking. When you find yourself questioning God because you don't get rewards rather than don't have a relationship, you have found yourself in the prodigal son, older brother relationship. And almost everyone who I've ever seen have a faith walk for a season that walked away from faith. They never walked away from relationship. They always walked away from what was usually an unspoken, sometimes an unknown reward that they were looking for, that when it didn't come, they just realized, it's not worth having a relationship with the father if he doesn't give me the reward. So what we talked about on Sunday is the younger brother had the opportunity to experience the reward without a relationship with the father. And it was pointless. And after he had wasted the reward, he, he basically said after experiencing the reward of the father without a relationship with the father, I don't even want the reward. I just want a relationship. Like I'll be your servant. I just want the relationship while the older brother Prove that the only reason he had a relationship was for the reward. And when he didn't get it, um, he said, I don't want a relationship if there is no reward. There, there are a lot of people who have bought into kind of a health and wealth prosperity gospel that they tithe, um, which is for those kind of brand new to Christianity, giving the first 10% of what God gives you back to him. Um, they tithe until time gets, t- until times get tight financially. And then they stop, and by stopping, they prove this prodigal, na- pro- older brother, prodigal son nature of, you know, I was tithing not for relationship, but for the reward. And when I didn't get what I wanted, it was over. And I followed God when marriage was good, but when marriage was bad, I stopped. I proved that I was a pr- prodigal son, older brother type, because when the reward I was seeking did not come, the relationship was pointless to me. And I think what we've got to ask ourselves is if we, if, if a relationship with God gives us nothing but God, is it still worth it? 
If it doesn't give us freedom, if it doesn't give us health, if it doesn't give us happiness, if it doesn't give us finances, like if, if all a relationship with God gives us is a relationship with God, is that enough? If your answer is, I'm not sure, that's how you might need to question, am I, am I the older brother who won't come inside to a relationship with the father unless he first gives me my reward? For for me, it, it it was powerful because it was an unknown part of my faith walk. I didn't even understand it. But there were times when faith got difficult. When I was doing everything I was supposed to do, but I wasn't receiving all the blessings that I thought I was supposed to receive, that I began to doubt God and I didn't understand until later that I doubted God because I, I had a prodigal posture towards God. I was doing all these things to be close to God, but I was also... Um, I had one hand wanted to be close to God, had another hand that wanted the reward of God. And when the reward didn't come, I questioned the relationship. Um, is this worth it? Is it going well? Is God holding up his end of the bargain? So the younger brother teaches us the true posture of a relationship with God. The reward without the relationship, pointless. A relationship with no reward, priceless. Um, that's what Luke 15 teaches us. And that's where Jesus was trying to help these Pharisees get. Like, you need to get to the point where where you would give your whole life to God if he gave you nothing but his son. And they were not able to get there in in the years of Jesus that we study in ministry. Luke 15 is a tremendous story. And like you said, the book Prodigal God, if you've not read it, it's, it's a, a great resource. I've uh, had a lot of discussions over that book through our one of our discipleship groups called Followers Made. So it's a great tool that we uh, we utilize in that discipleship group. Uh, in your message, you mentioned the book Accidental Pharisee uh, by Larry Osborne. Great book. How how did the Osborne book impact you spiritually? Oh, man. So when when you grow up, I mean, Ryan, we talked about this last week, the, uh, the soft underbelly and often just the, the sheer misguided direction of the American church at some points in times make makes you just want to step outside of it and only want to be with people that you believe are all in. But you don't get to make that decision. Like you don't get to decide who follows God and at what level. I mean, as followers of Jesus, we should be wanting to become disciples who make disciples. But it's funny, almost everyone's, um, understanding of discipleship is basically where they are and what they do. And it's like they can't remember the first day that they were a Christian and they, you know, didn't even know there was a Bible, much less an Old Testament and New Testament, or that there were 12 disciples or 10 commands. Like they just knew nothing except they had surrendered their heart to a guy named Jesus who they believe loved them and died so they could be forgiven and rose from the dead. So one day they could live eternal. Like that's all they knew. And it's funny when, when I picked up this book, I, I saw the book Accidental Pharisee and I thought, ooh, I know a bunch of people like that. So I'm going to read this book um, to figure out how to minister to them. And I got about five pages in and he kind of says in the first chapter, if you picked up this book thinking you knew who was a Pharisee, you are, <laughs> this book is for you. <laughs> You, you are the Pharisee Punch because, the yeah, because you are looking around judging everyone else's faith in the sincerity of their faith. Um, the Pharisees were never asked to be spiritual gatekeepers, 
but they took that on themselves and they decided who was real, who was not, who was serious, who was not. And they only wanted people that were where they were or beyond them. They didn't, they didn't want anyone who wasn't there yet. They forgot their own journey. And, and I think there is a, there is a, the dangerous ability to have an overreaction to a watered down American Christianity to say, you're not even real. We are the real church. And to begin to look down on people who you have no idea where they are in their spiritual walk and why. And accidentally, not intentionally, but accidentally, because you love scripture and you love discipleship and you believe in righteousness and you hate sin, there there is the possibility of accidentally becoming a Pharisee and trying to become a gatekeeper who who knows where everyone else is spiritually when really only God knows that. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal book, I, and I would encourage everyone to read it. I should probably read it once a year. It, I think it, it would... It would bring an added level of um, grace, probably, to my life and ministry if I read it every year. Haven't read it, but uh, oh my gosh, you got listen. If Alex has to watch Tombstone, you got to read Accidental I Pharisee. Said that. <laughs> you got to read Listen, you got to read Accidental Pharisee. I'll do it. And at some point in the next like six to ten weeks, we got to talk about it on the podcast. Okay. Sounds good. Well, let's finish up with a question from the Daily Reflections. For those of you maybe new, Pastor Christian puts in some uh, scripture of the day, thought of the day that he includes uh, with the sermon notes on a Sunday morning. So I thought we'd take a look at this Wednesday's. Uh, the key verse is Matthew five nineteen. Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So the question you have in the daily reflection is, which which of the six heart areas did you have to practice the most in 2020? And there was a list, anger, lust, faithfulness, integrity, trust, Love like Jesus. It'd probably be able. It'd probably be easier to answer the ones I didn't have to practice in <laughs> 2020. Um, and when I wrote this question, when I wrote this question and read it for myself, it was love like Jesus. I mean, what, like the day I put together this message and wrote it and sent it off to our team to print for the bulletin, like I actually read through that question and thought, man, I had to, I had to practice every day loving like Jesus. And I did in 20, in 2020, I had to learn to, to love like Jesus, but that was because, I mean, now that I look at this question a few days later, that's because I think I struggled with some real anger in 2020. Um, yeah, I struggled with some real anger. In a, in a lot of different areas from, um, I mean, from local municipalities closing church to opening church, um, to people coming to church or not coming to church, to masks or no masks, to schools, to no schools, to what was happening racially in our country, um, to those who, who, you know, not to be a Pharisee, seemed to care, and those who didn't seem to care, who I thought for sure would. I, I, th- I mean, is I, it's funny. I thought I knew the answer to this question because I like I wrote it, but looking at it now, I think I had to learn to love like Jesus because I had to practice had to had to give had to give some areas of anger to the Lord. And then trust is obviously a, another big one. Th- those areas, 
that I could not resolve and I, and I could not figure out those, those areas that are still unsettled in my heart in every one of those areas. Um, my two options are anger or trust. Like I just have to trust that Jesus is going to do something in me or do something in others or do something in the world, or I got to keep being angry about it. So as I look at it now, I, because I want to love like Jesus, I think, I think I'm practicing how to process anger, um, by, by trying to trust God more. Like I, I didn't anticipate answering that question that way, but as I just look at the list today and talk my way through it, I, I think I think that's probably how I'd answer that question. It's a uh, a great thought provoking question, and I really hope we hope it's a ministry tool that you're utilizing uh, as a listener of the podcast that you can share with others. Um, maybe you have a, a devotional at the table with your family. Uh, or with some friends at work. Really a great thought-provoking tool that we, we really hope moves you closer to Jesus and to get stronger in your faith in 2021. Pastor Christian, thanks for the great insight today. We want to thank you who are listening from man, from the treadmill, from uh, around the world, from in your car. We're really glad you decided to tune in to the podcast today. Uh, be sure to, to either come and see us live in person at 8, 9.30, or 11 here at... Uh, our campus off of 150 Highway, or of course uh, at Summit Christian Academy at 10 a.m. moving forward. Uh, we most likely will be at two services at some point in the near future for there as well. We'd love to have you uh, let us know how you're doing, or if there's a question we can answer on the podcast, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Thank you for uh, listening to the podcast. We look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.